in this very room, there is enough love for all of us. As they're singing, I can only think of a time in my life where I thought I was beyond the reach of God's love. Some of you in this room, you might have thought one time that you were beyond the reach of God's unconditional love. But thank God that God's love never fails us. God loves come, God's love comes, comes in, surrounds us, fills us, and then chases away the gloom. Will you pray with me? Loving God, this morning we are thankful that your ever-loving presence is with us, that your presence is within us. We ask you this morning to open up our hearts and open up our minds to see and interpret the scriptures as you would have us do it. God, we know that you are a good God, and with your love, we always win. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, this is now the third week of resurrection. It's still the Easter season. Jesus is still risen. Amen? Yes, we are resurrection people celebrating never-ending life. Last week you heard from Reverend Kristen talking to us about a doubting Thomas who has to touch Jesus' wounds because for him, and like many of us, that is the only thing that will make him believe. He's attached to the pain and the wounds and the hell that we sometimes go through. And we are challenged to get beyond hell on earth and to prepare for heaven. Heaven, hell, two things that everyone worries about at one time or another. When I lived in Boston, I worked at a state hospital on the infectious disease unit. And many of the patients on the floor that I was assigned to had HIV and AIDS. Many of them were actually dying from AIDS. And my first few months there blew me away. I don't know how many times I encountered people on their deathbed. People who knew that their time was up and that they were going to die real, real soon. But they were too scared to die. You see, because of how they contracted the virus that causes AIDS. Maybe it was illicit drugs, or maybe it was unsafe sex. Or maybe because of the labels that people gave them. Some addicts, some uh, same gender loving people, others, just men who had sex with men. They were too scared to die because many of their churches told them that the fires of hell were waiting for them on the other side. Because of what they did or how they did it, because of who they were, they were told that eternal damnation and an afterlife prison called hell awaited them. I could not begin to understand what they were going through. To see people in such anguish and torment, people who were too sick and too tired to live and too scared to die. Do you know what that is like? Have you ever been in a situation where you are just too tired and too sick to keep on living and yet you're also too scared to die? Caught in this limbo between heaven and hell. It may be this morning that we need Christ to open up our minds just like he opened up the disciples' minds to the truth, some truth, a morsel of truth about heaven and hell. And you see in today's gospel, we hear the challenge yet again. Open our minds, God. What are you talking about? And you know the story. The tomb is empty, right? Jesus has appeared a couple of times to a couple of disciples on the Emmaus Road. And now those two disciples are so excited, they've got to run and tell the others. And so they go to Jerusalem, and they announce Jesus is risen. It's incredible. 
the one they love, the one they followed, the one who was taken away from them by Roman authorities. He isn't dead, but hallelujah, he's yet alive. But how can this be? You see, he was crucified. Imagine what's going on in their heads. This is what we want. We want Jesus to be alive. But we don't understand how. He was crucified, nailed to a cross. He died. And so doubts begin. Oh, but thank God that even in the midst of our doubts, Jesus still shows up. Peace be with you, he says to his disciples. And of course, they continue to doubt. They say to themselves, this is a ghost. This is some otherworldly spirit. This cannot be real. That's what they say to themselves. And then seeing their confused and frightened faces, Jesus tells them, look at my hands. Look at my feet. This is flesh. This is bone. This is real. This is not a ghost. I'm real and alive. And then he takes a piece of fish and he eats it. And the disciples see, oh, wait a minute. This is the Jesus that always ate with us. You see, ghosts don't eat fish. You see that? <laughs> Real people eat fish. So the disciples begin to see that this is the real Jesus. Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. But what all does that mean? Many of us in this room think that a resurrected life as one that takes place only in heaven, right? After we die somewhere. We tend to think just like the disciples, don't we? That a resurrected life is only about being a spirit or some otherworldly figure up in heaven. Heaven is all about what happens after we die. But in our gospel lesson this morning, we see Jesus, a resurrected Jesus with real flesh, with real bones. He is a real Jesus who eats real food and he fellowships with his real followers. A real Jesus who is really present shows us that heaven and a resurrected life is not simply something that we should wait for in the afterlife. It's not some afterlife spiritual party on cloud nine in the sky. Heaven is about the real world too. You see, peace, love, joy, happiness, reconciliation, heaven on earth, it's available right here and right now in our lives today. And Jesus encourages us to claim it for ourselves, to spread good news to others, so that people will change their hearts and so they will know that they are already forgiven and free to experience the kingdom of heaven today. You see, Jesus opened up their minds to see things about heaven and hell that they never saw before. Oh, but you know how hard it is for many of us to open up our minds to something new about heaven and hell. What is it about hell? We just cannot let it go. It's something that scares us so much, right? We're so concerned with avoiding an eternal and tortuous place that we'll spend our entire days here on earth making sure that we're going to pass that ultimate test on Judgment Day, right? You remember when you were in school and you had to take classes that you really didn't want to take. You could care less about the subject material, right? You didn't study. You didn't do a thing. But when test time came, you studied. You crammed. You stayed up all night trying to memorize facts, trying to memorize answers to the test. 
and then you took the test, and you might have passed. But after the test was over, everything that you memorized fell out of your brain, right? You may have passed the class, you may have passed all the tests, but you didn't learn a darn thing in the class, right? And for far too many of us, that's the reality of our relationship with God. For far too many of us, we are, treat we are treating life like it's some type of ultimate test. Too many of us, we go through life trying to study up and cram. We go to church on Sundays, a few Wednesdays, throw a couple bucks in the plates, do some good deeds out in the community. You know, we, ju we do just enough, but we do what is good and right, just so we can pass that cosmological test. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Christ is trying to open up our minds to so much more. You can hear the voice. Christ is saying, stop trying to pass a test. Learn something in your life here and today so that you can be edified. Stop trying to pass this cosmological test so that you can actually learn something now and bring heaven to earth in this community for our world. Stop trying to pass the test and learn something. How do we overcome the fear of hell? Well, we can start by learning something about what the word hell means in the Bible, specifically in the Gospels. Now, you know, our Gospel stories tell us that Jesus' dead body was laid in a tomb, right? Well, I must tell you, this was very unusual for someone who was crucified in the first century. You see, crucifixions, they were the norm. But laying crucified bodies in tombs, that did not happen. You see, most people who hung on crosses, they were criminals, bandits, murderers, terrorists, enemies of the state. They didn't deserve the dignity of a tomb. When people were crucified, the Jerusalem Waste Management Company came and the Roman authorities threw the bodies into a Jerusalem city dump. Now, of course, in our story, we hear of Joseph of Arimathea, who is a religious authority, and he has some influence. He has some clout. So he asked the Romans, let me take Jesus' body. I'll take care of it. And so he saves Jesus' body from the city dump and places him in the tomb. But you see, Jesus' crucified body was supposed to be picked up and thrown into that city dump like everyone else who was crucified. It was a fiery pit of human ash and city trash. The city dump was a symbol of shame in Jerusalem because the bodies that were thrown in there were the worst sorts of people. But Jesus overcame having to be laid in the smoldering city dump. It was southwest of Jerusalem. It was in the Valley of Hinnom. That's where the dump gets its name. This fiery pit of trash and ash was called Gehenna. Now hear this. Gehenna shows up 12 times in the New Testament. But every time it comes up, you never see the word Gehenna. You see the word hell. So when you see Jesus talking about hell, he's talking about Gehenna. He is not referring to some otherworldly afterlife prison of eternal anguish and torment. He is referring to a metaphor a metaphor and something real. The life, the smelly, the fiery city dump 
of that trash site, the smoldering trash site that he was supposed to be thrown in. That's what Jesus is talking about. But instead of Jesus burning in that dump, he avoids it, and he overcomes the fires of Gehenna. Jesus, you see, overcomes the gates of hell. He overcomes hell by avoiding hell. And I tell you, I believe that we can do the same. Now, before you start raising your arms and screaming, heretic, 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 crucify him, crucify him. <laughs> Reverend Michael doesn't believe in hell or, or the devil or Satan. Let me tell you, this past week I've done a lot of internal reflection. And I will tell you, I believe in hell. I believe in Satan. I have dated Satan a couple times, okay? <laughs> I have been on dates that could only come from the pits of hell, okay? There comes a point where one focuses too much on hell, too much on Satan and fear and all those things evil and negative. I've learned in my life that the more I hold on to hell, the more hell I attract. There was a time in my young life when I spent quite a few years focused on everything that was evil. At this time, I was attending church three or four nights a week. And when I wasn't at church, I was at the downtown Houston bus terminal. And when I wasn't there, I was on street corners around town. I was at different festivals. I was at Mardi Gras, passing out religious tracts, trying to pray with people, telling them you're going to hell unless you get Jesus in your life. You see, for me, Jesus was my get out of hell free card. You know, Monopoly, you've got get out of jail free. For me, Jesus was get out of hell free card. But I had to have that card. Other people had to have that card because the power of evil was just so strong in the world. But sooner or later, I began to, my mind began to open up. It's as if Christ was trying to teach me all things that were in the scripture. I began to realize that I spent more time praying against evil and the devil and demons and all things that are from hell than I did actually praying and praising to God. I spent more time focusing on hell down here that I forgot all about God right here in my life. The more I focused on hell, the more I lost sight of the good God who loves me. I began to realize that as I ignored God, I focused my attention on my fears. And what I really feared was hell, but it was also the boogeyman, the kukui, the devil. Satan. Now, you all know the boogeyman, right? You know when you're young, your mother tells you to go to bed, and you say, I don't want to go to bed. And she says, go to bed because the boogeyman's going to get you. Then you go to bed, right? <laughs> As we grow older, it's funny that we never seem to lose sight of the boogeyman. All things good, we let those go. Good Santa Claus, beautiful. I'm grown. I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. But we're never too grown to believe in the boogeyman, right? We could turn off all the lights in this place, make it pitch black, and I could say, ooh, the boogeyman's going to get you, and people will start screaming and running out the doors. It's the truth. We focus 
we hold on to all things evil. But by focusing on the evil, we hold on to hell, and then we begin to magnify it. And we give hell and the boogeyman more power than they would ever have over our lives. But I don't want to give up hell, Reverend Michael. I like my hell. Hell motivates me to do good in the world. That's what we say, right? Well, sister, you can believe in your hell, but just be careful. Because what you believe in and what you focus on, you are more likely to attract. If you keep sowing seeds of fear in your life, you will for sure reap a harvest of circumstances to worry over. When I first entered the ordination process for MCC, I had to go a psychological assessment. It's required for all candidates. Some of our candidates are having to go through that now. But it, I, one of the most revelatory moments in the testing process came about when I met with the psychologists, the, the uh, counselors. They affirmed my long-standing passion for social justice. I was like, well, thank you. Of course, I love social justice. And they said, well, the tests show that. It's amazing we can learn from these tests. But it was a, uh, the test revealed something else, that my motivations for engaging in social justice were coming from a pessimistic outlook. You see, for me, it was a gloom and doom perspective of the world that was driving me to stand up for inclusion and community and transformation. For me, the power of evil and hell was so strong in the world that I just had to do it. Because I feared it, I had to do good. But my very passion for God was rooted in hell on earth and a lack of confidence in humanity. And so instead of looking at all the potential and the good people in our world, I allowed the evilness to drive me. I allowed all that is wrong with humanity to drive me and to motivate me. And the counselor said that the problem is if I continue to rely on this religious well of fear, they told me that I would be headed for depression, breakdown, and burnout in no time. They said, letting your fears run your life will never lead to inner peace. Our brothers and sisters in recovery have a saying that captures it best. Religion is for people who are afraid of hell, but spirituality is for those who have already been there. You see, I've been there, and so many others in this room, we have been there. Jesus has been there. He was crucified on the cross. People who have been abused and condemned by churches, they've been there. Teens and young folks who are kicked out of their homes and they're shunned by their families, they've been there. Addicts who could not live without picking up a needle or the beer bottle, they've been there. Folks who've dealt with diagnoses of cancers, with breakups, with financial hardships, they've been there. We've all been through hellish circumstances of some sorts. You don't need any reminders of hell. But what you do need is, you need to know people come out of hell. People come out of hell and come into heaven. You see, if you're serving God out of fear, if you're serving God because you're afraid of hell, that is no reason to serve God. Serve God because you're thankful. Serve God because God is so good in your life, you have to share some good news. Serve God because you're so full of the love and joy and appreciation that fills your life that you have to share it with others. People of God, in every circumstance, no matter your doubts or how bad your life seems to get, if you choose hope, choose good news to come your way, if you will do that, watch and see. 
no matter how painful your case may be, will you dare to see through the fog and see the light ahead? No matter how many hellish obstacles are right before you, will you instead look for the heavenly possibilities that right be in front of you? And will you not only expect good news, but really, like Jesus, will you spread good news and hope and peace to all those who really need it? And if you answer yes to these questions, then you have already indeed chosen to leave the fires of hell and come in to the beauty of heaven on earth. And even if you want to stay in your hell, even if you want to believe in your hell, even if you are somehow unable to come out of your hell, thank God, as Paul says in Romans 8, that there is nothing in your hell or any hell. There is nothing above or below. There is nothing in heaven or down below us. There is nothing, an angel, a demon, evil power, whatever the case may be, there is nothing in this world or universe that can separate you from the love of our God. Amen. And so our challenge this morning is to open up our minds. Christ is opening it up if we will only see it, not just in Scripture, but see it here. People of God, see that resurrection is still happening. Open your minds this morning to see that hell never prevails. God's love, God's love always wins. Amen. Our congregation.